I've always wanted to be financially independent. I've always been an entrepreneur or had an entrepreneurial mindset. You know, I had so many ideas growing up. I even was looking into like buying a sausage cart back in the day. But <laughs> I I started around like 22, 23 with my own recording studio. I was always recording myself from a young age and just working with digital audio recording workstations. And I decided to take that skill and make a business out of it. Welcome to the On Fire Podcast, episode 17, with your hosts, Matt and Kellen. On Fire is a weekly, semi-weekly podcast where we discuss financial independence, life hacking, frugality, minimalism, and living within your means. Reviews. We need reviews, guys. We love the positive feedback loop. It's been a while since we did an episode of the On Fire Podcast. We're hoping to change that, and one of the ways you can help change the fact that it's been so infrequent just leave us a written review on iTunes, Stitcher, Google Play, wherever you consume this podcast. It really does make our day as well as it makes it easier for other people to find us. Today's guest is Kent, aka Cool Kent. Kent is an entrepreneur, house hacker, YouTuber, and can be found foraging for dandelions in your backyard for his morning smoothie. I love Kent's perspective on everything. He's just such an extremely open and honest guy. He's that way on his YouTube as well as on his Instagram, and I think he just really opened up to us and shared his perspective, his experience as well. Stay tuned because you're going to find out about guaranteed income. Let's dive into our interview with Kent. All right. Welcome to the show, Kent. Appreciate you coming on. Yeah. Welcome, Kent. We'll dive into this later, but can you give us a brief summary of what the last year or year and a half has looked like for you? Yeah, for sure. So yeah, I'll go like two years. Basically what happened was I was working a job I was an electrical design tech at a company for about two years, and I got really good at that job. And I was able to, you know, I was so efficient that I was working like three hours a day, and they were very happy with the amount of work that I was doing. And with all my free time, I was just watching a lot of YouTube. I got really addicted to YouTube, and I started watching channels like Project Life Mastery and Matt, your channel, and stuff like that. And I, started learning about all of these ways of building passive income and generating money on the online. And um, basically, I uh, quit my job and went to Thailand where I went to a digital nomad conference. And at the digital nomad conference, I learned about something called eBay dropshipping and started doing that. That was last summer. I was doing it in Canada and that I learned pretty quickly that that was just pointless. So I got a American bank account through BMO called BMO Harris and started setting up an American eBay dropshipping store on ebay.com, of course. And I've been building that up ever since and just kind of working on it slowly. And I've been also working on a Amazon store, which I have actually been taking a little bit more seriously. I've been building up those, doing lots of research on real estate investing. Right now I'm doing house hacking. I, you know, I have a house that has a basement apartment in it. We rent out the basement apartment to pay for our mortgage. And I'm just still madly addicted and in love with YouTube, learning as much as I can about, you know, lean fire and minimalism and, you know, passive income and investing in stock, the stock market, index funds, all of that kind of stuff. I'm just trying to, I'm addicted to learning how to escape from this this matrix of the 40-hour work week that everyone seems trapped in. That's super awesome. If you're talking about dropshipping, we haven't had a whole lot of talk about that on our podcast yet with other people. So 
you know, you're talking about eBay store and Amazon store, like which of those is going to be your main focus? Like have you had, which one have you had success with so far? I've had success with both of them and I plan on building both of them up at the same time because in the early stages of building up my Amazon store, my Amazon account was, I forget what it's called, but, but it was shut down by Amazon. Basically I was just building up my store way too quickly. They make you send them an invoice. I was buying all of my stuff from walmart.com and they don't like Walmart invoices. You know, they want to know that you're buying from certified wholesalers, but they have to accept it because it is, it's not really like, they don't like that people are just buying things from walmart.com and selling them on amazon.com, but it's not against their rules. So after, you know, like a month of emailing them and having to actually hire a lawyer to write me a letter. I finally got my Amazon store back. So that scare forced me to want to build up both the eBay and the Amazon store. So on eBay, basically what I'm doing, you literally just find products from like walmart.com, homedepot.com, amazon.com, and you list them on eBay, a markup of 40%, and that should pay for the taxes and the shipping, et cetera. And, and plus, usually get you around 15% profit. And you just, if someone buys it off of you, which it's a numbers game, like if you have thousands of ads up, then you're going to make a certain amount of sales every day. So maybe just talking about like how you decide what products to be selling, is there a certain niche you're focused on? Or are you really just looking at what will allow for that 40% margin and just anything that fits that metric? You can just go by just literally like you can do your research or you can not do your research. There's two different ways of going about it. Basically, I do it both ways. One way is you can use a program called DS Genie or Dropshipping Genie, which you can find different sellers that are doing the same thing that you want to do, like dropshipping. And you you just search their store for any products that are selling, you know, say more than four times a day and are sold for like over $20. Then you just kind of steal their their listings and list them for yourself and maybe make them a little bit cheaper and then make those sales. Also, another method you can do is literally just kind of ignore eBay, go to walmart.com, find a product, put it on eBay, mark it up by 40%, and then just optimize your listing. And then, you know, using keyword programs and stuff like that. So yeah, those are the two different ways that you can list things on eBay. So how many ads do you have up? You mentioned the idea of having thousands of ads and it's just it being a numbers game. Like how many ads do you have up and how long does it take to set up one ad? One ad for me, it used to take me probably 10 minutes, then it took me around five minutes. And now I can do one ad in about two or three minutes. I only have about 150 listings right now. And they're all like, pretty well optimized. And they're I know that they're selling because I use dropshipping genie to find my products. So we'll do uh, back to the roots. Can you walk us through your background, how you came to discover the idea of financial independence in the first place? I've always wanted to be financially independent. I've always been an entrepreneur or had an entrepreneurial mindset. You know, I had so many ideas growing up. I, I even was looking into like buying a sausage cart back in the day. But um, <laughs> I, I started around like 22, 23 with my own recording studio. I was always recording myself from a young age and just working with digital audio recording workstations. And I decided to take that skill and make a business out of it. When I moved to Barrie, I started renting out a recording studio and I was doing that for a couple years. And I just, I didn't really enjoy, first of all, working for kids, <laughs> recording kids. And second of all, I didn't like trading my time for money. 
I was just working a lot, a lot of hours and working really, really hard and really hustling and didn't like it. Then I went back to school for electrical engineering. Then I got that job at the company that I was working for and learned about, you know, passive income and making money online from YouTube. And that's where I am now. Interesting. Um, so kind of building off of the YouTube. So, you know, we checked out your YouTube Kent recently for our audience start to the YouTube channel as well as your Instagram. And so we noticed you talk a lot about health. So would you mind just kind of diving into a little bit more of your kind of thoughts and perspectives on health? Yeah. So health and wellness, basically long story short, cause this story could be as long as I want it to be. I was really, really unhealthy. You know, when I was working at that recording studio, I was drinking like five coffees a day. Wow. I was just watching a lot of TV. I just ate garbage, you know, microwavable pizzas and, and all that crap that, you know, college students eat. And basically, I was just getting more and more tired and, and more and more sick and just feeling crappy. And as I talk about on my YouTube channel, one night, my buddy came over with a bag of mushrooms and we did those magic mushrooms. And it was that night that I realized that I had to really start changing some things in order for me to do the best that I can in life. Because making money is literally just energy exchange. And you know, the more energy that you have, the more money that you're going to make. So I started working out, working out. Usually if people can stick to it for more than a year, you're going to start realizing that it has everything to do with diet. So I started adding more vegetables into my diet and I started doing some research and I came across, it was through listening to the Joe Rogan podcast. I came across keto, you know, through Dave Asprey and the whole bulletproof diet thing. And that helped me for a long time. I was doing that quite strict, the keto diet for about two years. And I was feeling great and I was, I was having a lot of energy, but there were health problems that I was having and did have that I wanted to fix. And keto wasn't necessarily making me, wasn't necessarily healing those issues within my body. Fast forward to when I was working at the company that I was working for and I was addicted to YouTube, I also started watching a lot of vegan YouTube channels and kind of getting rid of my ego and kind of just listening to what these people had to say. I started really grooving with it and understanding it and started applying it slowly yet surely. Now I'm vegan and I practice a lot of fasting. You know, I'll, I do a lot of juice fasting. I'm really into herbalism. I think that herbs are the, the main thing that people want to get into if, if they want to start improving their health. And the biggest thing that I'm really into is eating foraged food directly from my property or from the land around where I live. I think that the food... The dandelions, the plantains, the, the wild greens like that, they, their genetics are so strong if you compare them to plants like spinach and, and kale and stuff, which if you've ever grown it before, you'll notice that they're kind of pussies. They, they <laughs> need a lot of sun, they need a lot of watering, like they take a lot of work to grow, but dandelions and plantains can grow in a sidewalk or you know in a little tiny puddle where you would never think a plant could grow. So these plants have like really strong genetics and because of that, they are extremely healthy for us to eat. And that's the, one of the main things that I'm into and that I consume daily are uh, forged greens, forged mushrooms, forged flowers, and things like that. Things that, you know, literally go from the ground into my stomach within minutes. That's really interesting. And, I, and you're sharing a lot of that stuff in your YouTube and your Instagram. When it comes to your YouTube channel, how, how has it been affecting your life for the positive or for the negative and, and your Instagram as well? I, I know it takes a lot of time to manage those things and you know you have a message and you, and you want to expose the world to these ideas. 
how has it affected your life and, and it, like for, for the better or for worse? That's an interesting question. I just love being creative, first of all, like having a YouTube channel. There's so many little creative aspects of it, you know, like making the thumbnail and the description and the tags and everything like that. But literally, it, it comes down to the fact that the more positive energy that you're putting out there and the more you're doing, the more philanthropic, I forget what that word is, you, you know, the more good things that you're doing for people, the more you're going to get back. So it's not necessarily for any money gains or, or anything like that. I'm just trying to spread positive energy in order to get that back. It's karma. It's, I'm playing the game of karma. You know what I mean? Yeah, that's great. And on a one-to-many scale. Mm-hmm. We know a little bit about your background. You both worked as well as being self-employed. Do you mind just kind of diving a little bit more into that? Which do you prefer and kind of what sort of advantages or disadvantages have you experienced being self-employed versus an employee? There's a lot of benefits to being self-employed. Personally, I don't really find many benefits at all to being an employee. I don't like having to work 40 hours a week. I do not think that is worthwhile. Like there's no employee that you will ever hire that is going to work a full eight hours a day for you. People are most, if you were to hire someone and and only make them work five hours a day, I think you would get the most efficient and, and hardest working employee possible. So I, I think that that whole 40 hour a week thing is just, it's pointless. But I guess one of the benefits of that would be security. But I, I don't really worry about that because I know that I can live off of things like dandelions. So <laughs> and, and so actually I, I kind of want away. to touch on that as well, just because the foraging sounds like a frugal activity. Is it frugal? Oh yeah, man. They're free. So how much time a day are you spending foraging and how did you learn about that? I learned about that from a YouTube channel called Marcus Rothkrantz. He's really sick. He has a book called uh, Free Medicine, Free Food and Medicine, it's called. And I bought it. It's like a 400 page book and it explains all of the different uh, wild herbs that you can use to heal yourself and also all of the poisonous ones to stay away from, which surprisingly, there really isn't that many at all. But yeah, it, it's saving me money because if you're, I also juice them. So I'll, like last summer, I was juicing just inordinate amounts of greens, like just loony amounts. If I was buying them from the farmer's market or from the store, I probably would have literally been spending like 20 to $30 a day on the amount of greens that I was juicing. Wow. So yeah, so it's amazing. And plus, I also forage a lot of roots and stuff like that. And so I'm foraging like dandelion roots, burdock roots, thistle roots, and stuff like that. And I use those to make teas, which are also extremely healthy, extremely mineral dense, and just extremely good for you. And you know, if you're buying teas, tea, tea is pretty expensive too. So it's saving you money. Like the more you can learn to use the land around you, the more money you're going to save. And uh, therefore, the less amount of money that you will have to make. <laughs> It's funny, like a lot of these, I've said before, a lot of these uh, ideas of, you know, frugality and minimalism and financial independence and and just like not being wasteful, they all tend to go hand in hand. And that's a prime example of like, you know, the fact that they're like what a lot of people would consider weeds are, you know, can be extremely healthy and they can be part of your life and they can be free and and they can be, you know, or like cheaper. And yeah, these things all just tend to go hand in hand. They really do. So yeah, Kent, you'd mentioned that you'd taken a trip recently, kind of touched upon the idea of digital nomads as well. So did you see that as being a practice run for financial independence or was this just kind of travel? How did that all fit into kind of the lifestyle you're trying to build for yourself? Basically, making money online requires 
your attention to be put on that business and learning about it and, and just working and hustling online and living at home and living even a slightly normal lifestyle like what I live right now, it takes too much of your attention. Like literally, you know, my, the brakes just broke on my Jeep and I have to get them fixed and that's going to take me, you know, hours this week. So there, there's just so many little things that are pulling you every which way in, the, in this matrix that we're stuck in. So traveling and just going somewhere and only having your backpack and living a really minimalist lifestyle like that allows you to put so much more focus into building something like an eBay dropshipping store or an Amazon store. So that's that's the main reason that I did it. But I also just, you know, I love the fruit in those countries. I, I We were in Vietnam and Cambodia and Thailand and the fruit is amazing and the coconuts are incredible and you know, coconuts are a dollar a piece. And I lived off coconuts for almost a whole week, just <laughs> doing a coconut water fast and, you know, like eight bucks a day to drink coconuts all day is pretty phenomenal. There's a lot of benefits to traveling, you know? Yeah, that's really neat. And, and I mean, when you live out of a backpack, I can just imagine what it's like when you get back to society and you see all the crap people have and you see their house full of stuff. Meanwhile, you're like, Hey, like I can live out of a backpack right now. It must, it must really put things into perspective. Was it hard to live out backpack? And if so, one of the things we've been getting from a few of our other travelers is like a tip on one item that you can't travel without. Hmm, That's interesting. I'll answer that one first because I don't remember the first one. Obviously, my computer. You know what I mean? I still want to keep up with all my best friends like Matt on YouTube. <laughs> and uh, the second thing, honestly, one thing that I, I think a lot of people have happened to them while they're traveling is you get constipated a lot because your body knows that you're traveling these long distances and it gets really confused and it it will hold on to that food for longer periods of time because it, it's confused and it doesn't know it doesn't know what to do. So it doesn't it doesn't your digestive system kind of slows down and stops working. So one of the most important things that I would say to bring with you are an enema bag. So, uh, so, so, like I've traveled with my sister back in the day. We went to a resort in Mexico and she doesn't really have much problems with constipation, but she was constipated literally for six days at this all-inclusive resort. And that's not a fun thing, you know, when you have, <laughs> it ruins it. It ruins it. Unlimited amounts of food to eat and you can't even go to the bathroom. You know what I mean? So just make sure you bring an enema bag with you because that can really ruin your, your time when you're traveling to different places. Interesting. I don't expect we'll get the, that tip in the future, so I appreciate it. <laughs> no problem. <laughs> and so the first question was just, was it hard for you to live out a backpack? Was it hard for you to downsize to that point when you went on your trip? No. I'm an all or nothing person. Like I can switch anything. I would give everything away right now just to start again. Like my ideal way of living right now would be to sell everything I own and, you know, go into the mountains somewhere and live off the land. So nothing changing is not hard for me in any way. <laughs> but unfortunately I have a wife and she is not down with that. So <laughs> Yeah. Change is great. Some people really thrive with some stability or like consistency in their lives. Definitely a challenge to balance those. So when you talk about you know, the idea of living out of a backpack, quitting your job, jumping into the self-employment thing, doing the drop shipping, going to these retreats, there's not a lot of people that have done what you've done and, and actually take the leap to like quitting their job and taking these chances. 
Have you always been comfortable with this approach to life and approaching life in this unique way? Have you got a lot of resistance from that? Uh, yeah, they always like, you know, your parents want what's best for what they think is best for you. So, you know, you're going to be fighting your mom every step of the way. But like Gary Vaynerchuk always says is you got to, you kind of got to tell your mom to go fuck herself. Like <laughs> you have to go out there and you have to make mistakes and you have to, you know, the best way that you're ever going to learn is by making mistakes. So you got to go out there and you got to do things differently than everybody else because you can't travel that same road that everybody else is traveling if you want to make something of yourself. Yeah. Yeah. Unless you want to reach the same place they've reached, right? Yeah. And that's just not Any a anyway. how to get more comfortable with that for our audience members if they're still sitting in that nine to five, but dreaming of not having it. Interestingly enough, uh, like I would say the best way to do that is to change your mind. And, you know, you can you can meditate to change your mind, to change the way that, to you know, to relieve yourself of the filters that you're, you're currently seeing through. But the easiest way to do it, in my opinion, and what really changed my mindset was, you know, psychedelics, mushrooms. I started smoking weed when I was living in Barrie. Weed was there with me the whole time. It just allowed me to just see through the bullshit that society is, you know, and culture. I would say th those drugs can be very beneficial for you for a short period of time, as long as you don't abuse them like I did for a long period of time, which I'm happy to say that I, I have gone a couple days now without any weed and I don't plan on going back to it at all because I, I didn't find that it was helping me all that much. And I'm happy where I am in my life and I, I'm happy with the trajectory that I'm on. So I do not think that I, I need it anymore. And I'm, I'm very happy and proud of myself for that. Wow, wow. I know that you said really interesting, man. I appreciate you sharing that. No I mean, problem. That's got to be a big change, right? Like that's been kind of a recurring theme on your Instagram and that kind of thing. But like, what drove you to want to change that up? It wasn't helping me anymore. You know, I think our bodies, like if you abuse a drug and you use it too much, our bodies will not benefit from them at all anymore. Like coffee. I was drinking like five cups of coffee a day at one point. And every time I would drink that coffee, I would be able to go and accomplish a bunch of tasks. And I loved it for that. You know what I mean? It was really, really benefiting me at that time. But now if I drink even one coffee in the morning, it raises my heart rate, tightens my whole, you know, all my blood vessels and, and I feel really uncomfortable. So if you abuse a drug like that, you're going to lose the, the benefits of it. And I'm kind of terrible for that with my all or nothing mentality. So I just, I wasn't benefiting from marijuana at all anymore. And, and I had to finally accept that. And it's been hard because it is a, it is an addictive thing and it's, it's a social thing because I, I love doing it with my friends, you know, Yeah. but I'm done with it and I'm happy to be clear headed and to move into the future with, you know, a better outlook. <laughs> That's really interesting. And maybe just to share some perspective, because this is really timely for myself as well, that like Kent, I was using weed daily for a very extended period of time, multiple years, essentially. And recently, the last month, I've started experimenting with not using it or only using it in very limited situations. And it is interesting. I think for myself, at least partially, it's just, again, just changing any habits, usually good for myself, right? Like it just brings other things into perspective. You're going to start dreaming again, Kat. You can look forward to that. Oh, I know. I had, a, I had amazing dreams last night. <laughs> <laughs> Let's circle back to uh, your travel there, Kent. So when you originally left, did you have a timeline, a budget involved when you started traveling? Because this was for quite an extended period of time, right? 
Yeah, yeah. I've went to Southeast Asia twice now for three months at a time. Our budget, I guess, was just to spend only around 50 bucks a day. And, and we were to able to. Is that, is that fairly, fairly easy to do? It's quite easy to do. You know, you can buy a whole pineapple in those countries for a dollar. And, you know, that can be a whole meal. Like these are pretty big pineapples. So, you know, the hostels are never any more than like $20. In Chiang Mai, we were staying at a, at a hotel actually for $20 a night. It had a big pool and it was a really nice time. And we were spending definitely never more than $50 a day between me and my wife. Wow. For two of you. That is, that's crazy. Did you, when, mm-hmm. when you, when you created this plan to travel, I think a lot of people procrastinate or maybe they, they have these dreams and they have these places they want to go, but they don't really make it a reality. How, how did you make a reality? Did you, did you have a, and did you have a firm plan set in place or did you, uh, did you just know, Hey, we're going there for three months and see what happens. Yeah, pretty much that. The hardest thing that people have to do is quit their job usually or, you know, try to get three months off of their job, but you just got to do it. I think planning too much is just going to slow you down in my opinion. So I would say just buy the tickets and go and figure it out while you're there, you know? And so is there anything you'd recommend people spend maybe money on while traveling? Was there certain things you maybe spent more than you expected on that gave you particular value or? Not really. No. Pineapples. <laughs> yeah, pineapples. So do you, you know, see, Coke. Do you see Southeast Asia as being a big part of your future then? Like once you maybe get your fulfilled by Amazon up and running bigger or your eBay running more, is that your end destination in part? No, that's not my end destination. Like we have a house here in uh, Lindsay, Ontario. So this is like our, our main spot. And I definitely plan on being here for at least half the year. I, I love this. I love Canada for, you know, all year except for the winter. <laughs> and, but after listening to the, the Matt Pichet, the Fruitful Investor episode of your podcast, like I'm a lot more interested in Costa Rica, which we were already planning on going to this winter, funny enough. I learned so much about Costa Rica in, in that podcast. It was fantastic. So I don't know if I can get together 80000 US dollars and, and go become a you know, move to Costa Rica then and start my own fruit farm or something like that. That that would definitely be a pretty viable option for me. So you but kind of mentioned I, your place in Lindsay. If I remember correctly, there's kind of a unique story about for a while you were on a like rental program or a guaranteed income program or something like that. So yeah. So so basically, yeah, I'll go over that. So basically, about two years ago, when I was working at that company, funny enough, it came out on the news that. Ontario would be getting a basic income test pilot and they hadn't chose where it was going to be and they were going to be spending like the next year or so figuring out where it was going to be and I was so excited I was do- I was just doing tons of research on what universal basic income is and I started really following the uh, Ontario basic income website and stuff and I was always sharing the new information that was coming out about it and always talking about it then they asked the followers to do to write a short essay on uh, where they think that basic income should come to it and why. And I was living in Toronto at the time, and I actually wrote an essay about why I think basic income should come to Lindsay, Ontario. And I, I just lived twenty. I grew up twenty minutes outside of Lindsay, Ontario. At the time, I had no idea that I was like a year from then I would be living in Lindsay, Ontario. You know, so I wrote that essay, and then when I moved here last summer. 
I went to the Lindsay Fair and there was a booth for basic income and they were they had little sign up sheets for it where if you signed up they would send you the information and you just basically had to sign up for it and I couldn't believe it because I had just spent the last year you know working making very little money you know I was technically under the poverty line and I was definitely a perfect candidate for the basic income because you have to make under a certain amount in order to get onto it somehow you know i manifested this reality where i have gotten on basic income just by thinking about it and talking about it you know now me and my wife most of our our basic needs are met by the income from our rental property below us and also basic income it's just it's incredible how what you think about comes about that's awesome so you also you have a rental property so what's it like managing that rental property while you're traveling i know for myself and for a lot of landlords, they're going to be managing the property while they're either living in it themselves, it's a multifamily building, or they're in the same city. But what's it like trying to manage it remotely? Any tips you could share for any fellow landlords? To be honest, we got really lucky with this place and there's been no issues with it, really. There was a, a slight flood that I that happened to the renters over the winter, but they took care of it. And yeah, we got really lucky with this place. It's, it's just a really well-built place and perfect location, you know, just keep putting out that positive karmic energy. And I think the universe will keep giving it back to you. I love that. And I think we hear quite often the single family home idea tends to be a little like boring in a good way, investment strategy. You get people in the house that take care of it and they treat it like their house versus multifamily where people tend to treat it more like an apartment building and they they put a little bit less care into it. Absolutely. Yeah. So talking about financial independence a little bit more, do you have a financial roadmap? Is there a financial independence number that you want to achieve? And then at that point, you'll put the eBay or Fulfilled by Amazon or doing courses or YouTube on the back burner? I don't really plan on putting anything on the back burner. I I like them all. But honestly, my goal is to be making 20,000 per month, almost completely passively by the end of like next year, probably. By the end of this year, I, I want to be at at least 5000 That's off eBay and Amazon together. Right now, I'm easily making around 1500 per month on eBay and Amazon together. I think at 20000 per month, I could live really comfortably and travel to some more expensive countries, you know, like Europe and, and stuff like that. And just be able to, at that point, you know, I could start helping as many people around me as possible and putting out more of that positive karmic energy. And 20,000 is just just a number that I thought of. Like, if I can keep scaling up these businesses, which I do plan on doing by hiring virtual assistants and the like, I will I will scale it up to, you know, as much money as possible just so I can spread that that wealth and, and help people as much as possible. That's awesome. So do you have any tips for like fellow aspiring world travelers, any ways that they can maybe travel on a budget and get around the world and not spend a ton of money? I know you talked about Southeast Asia being a great frugal place to travel, living for under 50 bucks a day. Any other any other travel tips people can do to save money? Yeah. Um, I am going to be taking a travel hacking course from these podcasters that I, or not uh, podcasters, but travel video loggers that I found on YouTube called Nate and Kara. They're really awesome. I just heard them on a podcast, a travel podcast called Zero to Travel Podcast. They're really sick. So I'm going to take their travel hacking course, which teaches you how to you know, use credit cards and things like that. And, you know, reduce the amount that you have to pay on flights and stuff like that. One thing that I would say right off the bat, if you don't want to get ripped off by 
booking flights online, just turn off your cookies. And if the websites know that you're coming back to them and looking at the same flights, they will just keep increasing the costs, you know, every day. Like you could look at it the next day and it could go up a hundred dollars just because they know that you're interested in that. So just make sure the websites aren't keeping tabs on you. That's really interesting. That's so sneaky. (laughs) It's so sneaky, man. And I've got tricked with it too many times. So what are some fire locales you would recommend for people that are just starting to travel? What are some countries they should consider traveling to on a budget? I would say Southeast Asia, because Southeast Asia is definitely really cheap. Everything's going to be like, you know, definitely a lot less than half the price that you're going to pay here. I'd say close to a quarter of what you're going to pay around here for anything. And then I would say Central America. Central America is basically just as cheap as Southeast Asia. And the good thing about Central America is that their time zones are lined up with ours, which was kind of difficult to deal with running an eBay store in Southeast Asia because all your orders are coming in at night while you're sleeping and all the questions are coming in at night and you got to deal with them. You know, your day is their nighttime, blah, blah, blah. So yeah, Southeast Asia, Central America. And then there's a lot of really cheap countries that I'm learning about lately, mainly on the Travel Like a Boss podcast that I also listen to in Europe mostly in Eastern Europe, close to Russia. So places like Ukraine, Bulgaria, those are all really cheap and totally viable options for traveling and and seeing, you know, just incredible architecture and just getting an awesome European experience for a really cheap price. Cool. So when you're traveling, were you, like, how closely were you tracking your spending? And did you decide, like, how did you decide when you were going to splurge on something and spend a little bit more? We weren't really look, watching our spending all that much, but that's just because we're minimalists and we're very frugal in general. You know what I mean? Spending any money does pain me. I'm pretty cheap. So, you know, we just go to the fruit markets and, and you know, we make sure that we spend a certain amount under a certain amount for our dinner and under a certain amount for our places that we stay in hostels and stuff. It's not very complex. These countries are so cheap to stay in. It's like, it's almost like, if you watch some of the video loggers out there, it almost seems literally impossible to spend, you know, more than 50 bucks a day for one person for sure. So now that you've done like all this, you know, trip around the world and that kind of stuff, what would you do differently, if anything? Like, were there any, was there any steps that you took that maybe you would have approached differently if you'd started over or something you maybe you'd recommend to other people, lessons you've learned? Oh, good question. I definitely would have, I wouldn't have quit my job so early. And the main reason that I regret quitting my job is because it's harder for me to get loans now that I'm not employed to invest in more real estate. And I could have just invested in a whole bunch of rental properties before I left and then really set myself up a lot better than I did. But I'm still doing it by partnering with some different people and stuff. And I'm going to be partnering a lot more after listening to the Matt Pichet episode. But I also would have uh, started building my eBay dropshipping business way you know, I would have built it up to, you know, at least bringing me a thousand dollars a month or something like that before I left, which isn't hard to do. You can you can build up a eBay dropshipping business to a thousand bucks a month in six months easy. And then, you know, like they say, like building an online business and getting from zero to a thousand is the hardest part. Getting from a thousand to ten thousand, you know, it is so much easier. So just get your online business started and growing and then when you travel, you can really start scaling it up and, and putting more time into it. Yeah, I think you've kind of highlighted for me that this idea of fulfilled by Amazon or the eBay business, 
That actually sounds a lot more attractive when you start breaking it down. You, you mentioned you're kind of consistently making $1,500 a month right now. Mm-hmm. And so essentially, if you were spending under $50 a day in Southeast Asia, that's pretty much a, a sustainable lifestyle at that point, right? You could indefinitely live like that. And I think that's actually just yeah, that's- really powerful. That's something I just wanted to really hit home in case listeners hadn't put those two different facts together because that's actually really awesome. Yeah, that is. That's the total Tim Ferriss idea of like earning in pesos or sorry, earning in US dollars and then spending in pesos or here in our case, it's Canadian or US dollars. That's super powerful. You can make good money here and then spend it somewhere that's a lot cheaper and get an amazing lifestyle for a lot less money. Yeah, yeah. 50 bucks a day is American too. So it's uh, not even Canadian. So you know, it's probably about 75 bucks Canadian. And it, the only reason that I'm not making more, like I said, is because I'm choosing not to scale it up at this point. Because actually, if I make too much, the next year I won't be able to get on basic income. And I just, basic income is so easy. And it's such an awesome thing for me right now. You know, it's, it's a free, like $1,500 a month. So, yeah, no, I don't want to. It's just, it's perfect. Like I could infinitely build up my eBay store to making like 10 grand a month by the the end of the year. But I could also just hold back and just chill on basic income for a little while. It's, and yeah. so talking about the eBay store and the fulfilled by Amazon a bit more, do you have any concerns about how long-term will this income stream be? Do you see this being something that can survive 5, 10, 20 years? Or is this something that's more of the moment? Nope. I see eBay definitely as a viable option forever. There's been people doing eBay drop shipping now for 10 years, you know, like or, or more even as a full-time career, basically. eBay's not going to go away. Amazon's not going to go away. They're both going to get more competitive and you're going to have to learn new ways of doing things. But that's just kind of the consequences of uh, being an entrepreneur. Both businesses, you can scale up and, and hire people to work for you though, where you can, at some point, you can be making as much money as you want and only be working like 20 minutes a day. So, you know, as for it being too much work in the future, no, I don't think so. I think it's definitely something that you can do forever, especially if like on something like Amazon, you're you're building a brand or something like that, which me and my wife are. My wife has her own brand called Sweat Happy Wellness that we're building right now, both on YouTube and Instagram. And we plan on private labeling some products. So some different like workout and fitness products that we're going to be selling on Amazon through her brand. And it, it's a little more sustainable and a little more of a, a real thing doing something like that creating a real brand as opposed to just selling other people's products which is what i'm doing right now but that's just kind of the short-term game yeah i mean in, I, think, in comparison. I think a lot of people underestimate the value of personal branding because even if you do it end up in a situation where ebay is not a viable option 10 years from now maybe the next thing has come along and rather than having to transfer your audience from ebay to the next thing they're following you on instagram or they're following you on all these other forms of social media and you've you've built this personal brand such that you can help migrate them to any other platform that then gains popularity. Yeah, absolutely. And that's what I'm doing with my YouTube channel too. You know, I plan on creating maybe an eBay dropshipping course for Canadians in the near future. And also I plan on, you know, maybe just creating a store in general where I sell anything really. Awesome. Cool. Well, I think this is a good opportunity for us to dive into our fire four. So there's four questions we like to ask each guest. And so the first one, Ken, is just what are you grateful for? 
My mantra in meditation is, is gratefulness. You know, I practice holding that feeling of being grateful for the universe and, you know, the abundance of the universe and the, the abundance of everything around me. I try to stay in that state as much as possible by using it as my mantra. So I'm literally grateful for everything, but I'd have to say I'm most grateful for YouTube. <laughs> YouTube is just the most beautiful and amazing thing in the entire universe. <laughs> That's awesome. So on the kind of an opposite, opposite end of the scale, what's a guilty pleasure of yours or maybe a tool or something that you can't live without? Guilty pleasure. I don't know. I don't think I'm, I'm guilty for any of my pleasures, but uh, I use something, I use something called Ormus or monatomic gold. If you want to do some research on that, it's just, it's a way of getting gold into your body. And it basically it allows you to conduct the electricity in your body. And I, I believe that has a lot to do with the faster rate that I've been manifesting things in my life over the past few months. So Ormus or monatomic gold. Interesting. Okay, cool. Is there a frugality tip or a life hack that you'd like to share with our listeners? Yeah, get into fasting, you know, shrink your stomach so that you don't have to eat as much. We're totally tricked by the amount of food that we're told that we have to eat growing up. So if you can get used to eating a lot less and stop eating such dehydrating foods, then you're going to be able to live off a lot less. So, you know, eat more fruits, eat more foraged greens and stuff like that, food that has a lot of water in it, and you're, you're not going to be craving food all day and therefore you are not going to be spending as much money on food love it what would the hero of your own movie do in your life right now good question i'm always trying to be that hero right now but he would he would stop worrying about getting basic income next year and he would scale up his ebay business and start making 10 <laughs> grand a month as soon as possible <laughs> i love that i think it's funny because the answer to this question is usually the opposite of what people are doing. Either that or it's kind of a cop-out answer and people are, oh, I'm, doing, I'm already doing exactly what the hero of my movie would do. Like generally the hero has a struggle and, and it's, people want to see like, oh, I'm going to overcome this challenge and I'm going to do the thing that I know I should be doing. So it's cool to hear that like, you know, what, like, you know your actions aren't necessarily aligned with what you think that the, the hero of your movie in your life would do right now. So it's cool to jog, jog that thought for you. That's so, a great yeah. question. Yeah, absolutely. So thanks so much, Ken, for being on the show. And before we wrap things up, we always like to get our guests to ask the audience a question. So this can be kind of whatever you want to ask them. You know, in the past, Michael Rosehart asked, what is enough? Graham Stephan just asked people to smash the like button. So this is kind of your opportunity to just ask whatever you want of our audience. Yeah, I thought about this one. I would tell people to start thinking in terms of energy. And start analyzing your life and figure out where your energy leaks are. And energy leaks are things that you're putting energy into where you're not getting anything back. Either people or addictions that you might have. If you're giving something a lot of energy, you should always be getting that energy back. So my question to everybody is, where is your energy leaking? Ooh, I like it. Alternatively phrased, what actions in your life have a low return on investment? <laughs> <laughs> Bang on, bang on. <laughs> so where can people find you or follow you or get in touch with you? You got your Instagram, you got your Facebook, YouTube. Instagram and YouTube. What's the name on there? How can people find you? Cool Kent with a K. That's my Instagram and my YouTube channel. So if you just follow me on Instagram, then you'll see the link to my YouTube. I would suggest to just do that. Awesome. Thanks again so much, Kent. Really enjoyed having you on the channel. And we look forward to maybe touching base in six months or a year and see if you're up to 10,000 a month. Thanks so much. I would love to do that.
Thanks a lot, Ken. We'll talk soon. Yeah. That was a great episode, and I love learning more about Kent and his backstory. Kent's openness and willing to share his story candidly was amazing. It was awesome to see him become part of the basic income group by taking the steps a few others would. And while you're waiting for the next episode to come out, and hopefully it comes out quicker than this episode did, jump over to Facebook and join the On Fire community and follow us on Instagram, On Fire Podcast. And make sure to tune in for the next On Fire Podcast to meet more people, hear their stories, and learn from their mistakes. Thanks for listening. This is Matt. And Kellen, signing off. And until next episode, remember, being normal, buying stuff doesn't make you happy, and always remember what Christopher McCandless said. I'm going to paraphrase Thoreau here. Rather than love, than money, than faith, than fame, than fairness, give me truth.